Well, again, good morning. Uh, if you're joining us online, welcome. We have reached December, and my guess is that everybody in this room at some point over the last week or maybe two weeks, at some point you've said, man, this year has gone so fast. Man, you know, I can't believe it's December. I can't believe that Christmas is so close. And here's what's amazing to me. Why does that keep surprising us? Right? You would think we would remember. It's going to go fast. Like, why does that always surprise us? But the reality is we just don't remember details. Uh, I was recently watching this show called Adam Ruins Everything. Um, if, if you want everything in your life to be ruined, watch the show. Uh, but basically, he goes through and he breaks down things that we've always thought about. And one of the things that he talks about in this one particular episode is that our, our memories are terrible. And what we tend to do is we create the details to make up our memories. And a lot of times what we do is we just add in facts, or that we think are facts, and we just say, oh, that's probably what happened. And we actually end up convincing ourselves that that's really what happened, and it didn't happen at all. And that happens with Christmas, and we forget how fast it goes, and we're just like, oh, it'll be another slow year, and all of a sudden, boom, it's here, and it's late. And we easily forget so many things about Christmas. And when we forget so much about Christmas, we ultimately forget the meaning that it should have in our life. And so during this series, my goal is for us to really begin remembering Christmas. And, and not just remembering when your family got together. And not just remembering the Christmas when Grandma burnt the turkey or, or the year that uh, Dad crashed the car. I mean, those are exciting Christmases, obviously. Uh, and not just the Christmas where you got everything you were hoping for. What I want us to see and what I want us to remember is a story that we all know. I want to look at the story that most of us are very familiar with. And my hope is as we look at this as we look at this story and we dive into it deeper, as we begin to investigate this, we'll begin to see the reason why Christmas should have such a strong impact and transform all of the other months of the year. So to get started this morning, we're going to talk about a, a topic that, that seems a little funny to talk about at Christmas, but it's a, it's a topic that's central to the story. And so to get us all in the holiday spirit, I want to talk to you about fear. Fear is a huge piece of the Christmas story. But the reason that we have to talk about fear when we're remembering Christmas is that we have to recognize that we expect bad news from those in authority. When somebody in authority wants to talk to us, we typically think it's going to be bad news. I mean, think back to when you were a kid, and you got home from school, and you put your backpack down, and you walked into the kitchen, and your mom said, your father would like to speak with you when he gets home. Your mind just starts running about what you've done that got you in trouble. You're like, oh, I don't know what I did. I don't even know, but, but apparently I made some choices, and why am I in trouble, and what will happen when dad gets home? Maybe remember sitting in algebra class? You're just sitting in algebra, and all of a sudden the intercom kicks on, and the secretary says, with the following students, please report to the principal's office. Everybody knows that those, are, those kids are in for it, right? Like everybody, and if one of those individuals happens to be sitting in your algebra class, when their name gets listed off, everybody's like, ooh, right? Because we're all like, they're going to get it. I mean, when was the last time you were driving down the road and all of a sudden there were police lights flashing behind your car? And as you pulled over, you're like, oh, he's probably going to present me with a certificate for that well-maneuvered yield and merge thing I just did. Right? We know that's not going to be a conversation that get, that's going to end with us being like, I'm glad we had that chat. Like, it's not going to go well. If you get a text message or a voicemail from your boss and says, 
hey, we need to talk. That's bad news. Like, you don't even know what it's going to be, but whatever it is, anytime we get a message from authority, we anticipate it that it's going to be unpleasant. We get anxious because we think that this conversation is going to lead to something that's not so good. And the unfortunate reality is that we've attached that same idea to God. If you're ever just sitting in your room or in the living room watching TV, and an angel suddenly appeared and said, hey, tomorrow, 2.30 p.m., God wants to have a conversation with you. There is no way you're thinking, oh, that'll be pleasant, right? Immediately, your mind starts going through all of the choices that you would made that would warrant a meeting with God. Like, oh, what did I do? What have I done that's going to cause God to come and say, that was too much, you're out, thanks for trying, the earth will swallow you up now. Like, like that's what we assume. Uh, even if you're here and you're like, I don't even believe in God, or they don't, no formal theology or religion, even if you don't believe in a God, but you found out that you're going to have a conversation with God, uh, you would, actually, if you don't believe in God, and then you find out you're having a conversation with God, I would see, that would freak you out, but Oftentimes people will tell me, man, I, re I really, really wish I could hear God's voice. Eh, I think that's just on the things that we need an answer to. But if God initiates that conversation, if the conversation comes on God's timing and God's agenda, we think this is probably going to be bad news. If we were laying in bed at night and audibly God began to speak to you, I, I would freak out. My heart would start pounding. I would be afraid of what that message might be. But the importance for why we have to remember Christmas is that the message of Christmas is actually designed to erase that fear. Now, understand, we should have a healthy fear of God. A healthy fear of God is very much like the same fear that we have if we stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Like, you should have fear in that moment. A healthy fear, like, that's a long ways down. Like, there should be a healthy fear about running across the freeway, right? Like, we, okay? Like, there's healthy fear. But the message of Christmas, the message of Christmas, when we truly embrace it, should erase the fear of God's presence. The message of Christmas erases the fear of what God's voice in our life could be. It allows us to no longer be leery of that experience for God to speak into our life. If we begin to embrace the story, it will wipe away being scared of God approaching us. That guilt that we sometimes experience when we think about having this close encounter with a holy and perfect God. The message of Christmas begins to erase that if we'll truly remember it. Now, you don't know this, but as a preacher, as you get closer to December, you know what you're going to talk about. You just don't know how you're going to talk about it, right? Because... Most of you in this room, you've heard the story, right? Like, I'm not going to roll out anything new, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. I mean, likely, many of you in the room, you know this story better than I know this story. Some of you have connected with this story in very deep, deep ways. In fact, my guess is that a lot of you, many of you, might have even been in this story. Any of you ever a sheep? <laughs> Got any, any camels in the room, right? I'm guessing there's some of you look like you might have been the wise men. If you grew up in a church and your mom was in the choir and she had a little bit of pull, you might have been Mary, ladies, and you know, some of you might have been Mary. If your dad was on the board, maybe you got to play the role of Joseph. No, any Josephs? Any Josephs in the room? Do we have any Josephs? Oh, we got a Joseph. I knew we have one. 
If you were born in November, if you were born in November, you had a really good shot at the leading role, right? Being Jesus. You don't remember it. Maybe you've seen the pictures. That's intimidating to think about it, really. Like, you can't go up from there. You peaked, you peaked really early if you played Jesus as an infant. And maybe you weren't in the story. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just been your own kids were in the story, or you've watched some other kids. This is, this is not a story that we're unfamiliar with. It's not something new. We, we've heard the story. We've read the story. We've acted the story. We've watched this story. We know the story. It's fairly familiar. There's no surprise endings. I don't need to give any spoiler alerts. This year, Jesus is not suddenly going to be born on a cruise ship. Okay? Next week, there's no twist where Joseph's going to be like, eh, I'm out. Good luck. Raise the kid on your own. Not going to happen. The shepherds don't break into a rock fight with the angels. And there's going to be this epic battle between humans and supernatural. And the story will be the story that you know. But because we all know the story, sometimes we miss out on the story. And if we could truly understand it, it begins to help erase some of that fear that we experience if we're going to have a conversation with God. If God says, I want to talk to you, I want to be in your life. When we truly grasp the implications of the story, it begins to transform what it can be in our life. Because far too often we know the story, but we don't fully get the message. And my hope is that this morning we can look at some of the key phrases in this story. We can look at some of the, the critical moments and then walk away with a deeper understanding of this story. That we can grasp part of this message, some of these phrases that we're really familiar with, but maybe haven't really sunk in for a while. We're going to look at a story or part of the story that was written down by a guy by the name of Luke. And, and Luke is one of the four accounts of Jesus' life. And, and these phrases, they're all over the place in December. We see them on Christmas cards and Instagram and memes. And they become so common that the power of them oftentimes can be lost. But if we'll fully allow this message of these phrases to begin to transform our lives, I'm, I'm convinced that they can begin to chase away the fear that comes when we consider the idea of encountering God and allowing Him to work in our lives. These, these phrases can begin to, to pave the way for us to overcome the fear that we feel like maybe God just wants to punish us. The feeling that, man, if I let God into my life, He's just going to deliver some bad news and He's going to tell me, man, you know what, you're not really, you're not worthy of a relationship with me. This story begins to reveal that God is saying, you know what, it's not about how good you are. It's about this incredible thing that I've done. When Jesus arrived, he arrived in the first century, and, and Jesus came into this world, and when he arrived, for about the 40 years leading up to the moment that he was born, there was chaos in the area where he lived. The Romans had come into the, where the Jews were living, and, and the Romans were now controlling the area. And as the Romans were controlling, they actually began to control every part, including the Jewish religious practices. And in fact, the, the, the way that the Jews had been practicing their religion was really struggling. It was kind of falling apart. Because the Jewish priests had started to say, well, man, we can't beat Rome. Since we can't beat Rome, we should probably just join Rome. Can't beat them, join them. So the Jewish priests were starting to side with Rome. And, and as a result of siding with Rome, they weren't really looking out for the Jewish people. 
So essentially what they're deciding, we're just going to work with this situation, and there's confusion all over the place. Every area of life is kind of out of control. And then the story begins with this proclamation by Caesar. Caesar says, hey, you know what? Let's count everybody. Let's find out how many people actually live here. And so what we need to do, if we're going to count everybody, we need everybody to go home. We need everybody to go back to where they came from. So for this young man by the name of Joseph, what that meant is he had to make a long trip. He had to go about 170 miles back to Bethlehem where he came from. And on this trip, he needs to take his soon-to-be wife, who is very pregnant. She's not just a little bit pregnant. She's huge. The Bible says it very nicely. The Bible says she was great with child, which is just a very kind way to say she was huge. 170-mile walk. Not good if you're huge with child. But Joseph's got a plan. Hey, you don't have to walk. I got a donkey. That'll be comfortable. Good thinking, buddy. Uh, Long trip, dangerous journey, rough area. And all along that way, the baby could show up at any moment. But they make it to Bethlehem. And Joseph manages to land this nice Airbnb. It's just out back. Open air, B&B. A few other guests will be sharing the space with you. They all have four legs. There is no cleaning deposit required. Here's how the story goes. Luke chapter 2, it's on the screen, it's in your message notes, it says this. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that, uh, this is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. They made it. They got there. Now the story is truly set. The baby has been born. And what we're about to find out in the next couple of verses is what this really means. In the next couple of verses, if we can let this really soak into our hearts and into our minds, it can give us a whole brand new perspective towards God and how He desires to interact with us in a way that we can forever be changed. This is where it becomes essential for us to embrace the message of Christmas. Let me just set up the next part that we're about to read. We've got some average guys just outside doing the things that they've always been doing. They've been doing this for years, for generations. This is what they've been doing. They're just out minding their own business, just about to call it a night, day's about over. I mean, really, these guys that we're about to read about, they're like us, just trying to make the most of life, trying to go to work, take care of the responsibilities that they've been given. These guys are just simple guys. They're, They're shepherds hard-working, salt-of-the-earth type dudes out in the field, watching the stars, keeping track of their sheep, starting to get a little sleepy, maybe call it a day. Verse 8 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Now, the Greek word there that describes the, the glory of the Lord, as it describes the glory of the Lord, it says it shone around them. There's another part in the Bible where we read that same word, where it shone. The Greek word is the same Greek word when it describes a light that shone down so brightly it knocked a guy off his horse. This light is so intense. This is a light that when it shines on you, you can feel it. This is a light that's so bright, there is literally, there is no darkness. It was completely dark. Now it's completely not dark. I just, I feel bad for the sheep. I mean, they, clear, they don't speak angel. They, they don't hear the message, do not be afraid. Right? So what we have to assume in this moment is that the sheep are freaking out. With a baba here, and a baba there, and here a ba, there a ba, like everywhere a baba, right? You've got to, you've got to assume that's happening. These shepherds, they've dealt with stuff. I mean, these shepherds have seen things. Wild animals have tried to attack their sheep. They've faced that. There's probably been bandits and thieves that have, that have tried to steal their sheep. They've faced that. Shooting stars and thunder and lightning and crazy wind and who knows what else. These guys have faced it. These guys are probably not easily scared. Dealing with fear is an emotion, is an emotion that these guys have dealt with. They're tough. But now they're scared. And this situation, it warrants big fear. If it didn't warrant big fear, the angel would not have said, uh, don't be afraid. And it wouldn't tell us that they were terrified. But suddenly there's this angel shining, floating in the air. And I think it would freak us all out. And these guys, if you know much about shepherds, they're not necessarily the smartest guys around. But what they knew was that this was a message from God. And like us, when the message comes from God, typically we're like, that's not going to be good. When we hear a message from an authority, including God, oftentimes it just scares us. It causes us fear. Because how can this possibly be a good message? But this is the beginning of the, the greatest message of Christmas. Because what the angel tells the shepherds and what the angel is telling us is this. Don't be afraid. The angel is basically saying, whatever you thought was about to happen, it's not going to be bad. You're, you're going to be worried. You don't need to be worried. This is, this is the beginning of a good thing. Our assumption is that whatever is going to happen when we encounter God is not going to go well. And the angel is like just saying, just chill out. Whatever thought you had going through your mind, just relax, because I'm actually bringing you really good news. That's what God wants us to hear. Don't be afraid. What, whatever you think is going to happen when you choose to listen to God, when you allow God to speak into your life, it doesn't have, it's not going to go bad. What God has for you is a good thing. There is no need to freak out. God's message, what God is about to tell you, it's a message that shouldn't bring fear. It shouldn't cause us fear. That's a huge part of remembering the story of Christmas. That's a huge part, is don't be afraid. 
You don't need to fear God. You don't need to think, oh, he's going to make me change everything. The angel is just delivering. Listen, you don't need to be afraid. And then he tells us why we don't need to be afraid. The angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is good news. The baby has arrived. It brings great joy. And the reason that it brings great joy is that the angel said, this will be for all the people. All the, that's the most amazing message. God is like, I have a message for you and for you. Oprah didn't come up with this. This God came up with this first. A message for you, and you get a message, and you get a message, and you get a message, and you get a message. This is a message for all people. This is, this is not good news for good people. This is not just good news for consistent people. This is not just good news for righteous people and Bible-reading people. This is not just good news for honest people. This is for all people. And what that means, that it, it means it has nothing to do with your behavior. See, typically good things happen to good people. Typically, we think that we're, we're comfortable with the idea that you get what you deserve. That, that your actions are going to lead to a benefit. I mean, you got your job because you went to the right school and you had an impressive resume and you had strong references and you've done well and you got, got the promotion or you got the job. You got it because of what you had done. Your hard work helped you make the team. We're used to that being the news. We earned it. But th this message is for all people, even those of us that are inconsistent. Even those of us that have angry moments. Even those of us that have made choices that nobody knows about. And if they knew about it, we know what they would think about us. This message is for those that have thought, you know what, God's messed up my life. Jesus is coming to earth. This is God's plan. This is initiated by God. He's the one that's setting this in motion. And it has nothing to do with what you've done, or what you've earned, or what you've accomplished, or what you've completed. The message is simply for all people. The message was because of you, but not because of anything that you've done. That's why we don't have to be afraid. See, fear comes in our lives when we think about what we've done. And the angel is saying, listen, it's not about what you've done. It's about what God is about to do. It's about what God is doing. And God is sending a Savior that's for all people. He's sending a Savior, not a coach, not a helper, not a mentor, He's sending a Savior to save you from your feeling that it's all about what you've done. Keep reading. It says this, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, and real quick, I just think it's funny, it's like one angel wasn't enough, now we've got to ramp it up. There's still like one sheep that's asleep, we're going to freak them all out. Uh, anyway, and uh, my guess is that a great company basically means it's more angels than shepherds could count. So I don't know how many that is, it's just a lot. Then it says this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Those last words, glory to God in the highest, those, those are always great. You can go to Hobby Lobby and get them on a like, reclaimed wood or something like that. <laughs> Stitch them into a tea towel and hang them in your kitchen. But, but what's it really saying? Break, let's break this down. Let's see if we can get the full meaning of this message. When it says that it's for the glory of God, what that means is that God will get all the credit. 
God will get all the credit for what he is going to do for all the people. This, this is God doing it. This, this is God doing it for those that are going to know God and those that are not going to know God and those that are going to accept his love and those that are going to reject his love. This is, this is for all the people. God's going to get all the credit, even for those that listen to him, even those that ignore him, even those that walk away from the message. God is doing this for all people, those that have done horrible things and those that have lived really good lives. God's the one responsible for it. God gets all of the credit. He gets all of the recognition. God gets all of the glory for what is about to happen. I mean, this is the message that's going to go through the rest of the Bible. God's going to get all the credit, and all the people get all the peace. See, when it's about us trying to prove our worth and showing God that we've jumped through all the right hoops and that we can do it all right and trying to impress God and like, man, man, I hope he likes me. I hope I can do it right, that God will want to be in a relationship with me. That's where the fear comes. When our fear, our fear grows out of, man, did I do it right and is God going to like me? When that's our goal, if that's how it works, then that means God's done nothing special. That means God hasn't offered us anything new. Because that's how we treat each other. That's how we respond to other people in life, right? Your coach plays you more because you hit the big shot in the last game. Your boss gives you a bonus because you sold more widgets. That, that's just old news. That's regular news. This is God doing something that's great news. That has nothing to do with what you've done or what you haven't done. He's removing the need to be afraid because you didn't make the mark or you didn't march to the beat. This is what God has done for all the people. And when we begin to realize that the Savior was born and that we no longer have to impress, that it's no longer about our actions, when it's no longer about what we've done or haven't done, then the angel is saying, listen, basically that means that you've understood that God's favor rests on you and recognizing that God is choosing to say, they're with me. Yep, he's with me. Yep, they're with me. Think about that. It's hard. It's hard to believe that God would actually say, no, my, my favor rests on him. No, I vouch for him. I mean, we can trick other people into, you know, ah, I, he's with me. I mean, I can get people to be like, yeah, Brent's a pretty good guy. I vouch for him. He's nice to old people. He takes the trash out when his wife asks him to. Yeah, he lets other people go first in the self-checkout line, and they pay their taxes on time. He's got a really solid please and thank you game, right? Like, I can get people to vouch for me. I can get people to say, my favor rests on Brent. That's not a shock. But when we hear that God's favor rests on us, that's tough to settle in. To think about God's favor on you, that God is vouching for you. When I start thinking about God's favor on me, that God would vouch for me, I start thinking about all the dumb things I've done. About the time I didn't tell the waiter about the burger he forgot to add to my bill. When telemarketers call me, I just be honest, I hear I just set the phone down. I don't hang up. I just let them sit there and talk. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You should try it. Um, if we all start doing it, they'll stop calling, maybe. I don't know. I know the times when I'm selfish and my kids are like, hey, dad, can we do this? I'm like, nah, 
Not because I have a good reason. I'm just too lazy to deal with it. I know about the horrible things that I've done that I'm not willing to admit on a Sunday morning. You know? And you're like, thank you. But, but to know that God's favor sits on me feels like a stretch because I know the times that I've lied and I know the times that I've judged people and I know the times that I look at things on Facebook and I'm like, they're dumb. Like, I know these times. And then to think that God's favor still rests on me because I'm like, I, I, I'm not worthy of him vouching for me. Well, which is that's what makes this message so incredible because it's for all the people. Which is what allows us to allow that fear to be removed because... It's not bad news. It's incredible news. This is the best part of remembering Christmas is when we recognize that God gets the credit, we get the peace. Because when it's not about what we've done, then we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about what we've done. We don't have to be concerned about our effort. And then being scared just begins to go away. No longer are we concerned about trying harder and doing better and being nicer and extending more grace and and all of those things are great but we know that we can always do better we always recognize that in our lives we can do a better job i can be a better parent i can be a better spouse i can be a better employee i can be a better friend and god's like it's not about that that's what causes the fear is when we think man i've got to be better so that god says good job god's like no 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 god's saying you don't have to earn my approval I'm just going to give it to you. I'm just going to love you. God's saying, I'm just going to love you because I choose to. It's no longer about what you've done. It has nothing to do with what you've done. It has nothing to do with how you've performed. And when we recognize it's not about what we've done or how we've performed, that's when we experience peace. That's when we begin to say, I'm going to give God all of the credit. I'm going to give God all of the glory because I recognize he sent the Savior into the world to free me from the need to having to prove I'm worthy. And then God gets all the credit, and we get all of the peace. A guy by the name of John spent more time with Jesus than just about anybody else. In 1 John 4, 18, John describes this. He says this. He says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. We think oftentimes that we deserve punishment because of the choices that we've made. And God's like, listen, I'm going to send my son into the world, so it's no longer about that. God's like, I'm just going to drive out the fear that's preventing you and I from being connected to each other. The relationship gets to exist because of what God has done, not because of what we have done. The message of Christmas is God deciding to say, you don't have to pay back what you owe. And the result is you and I get to know peace. And we get to choose to give God all the glory. We get to choose to live our lives in such a way that brings him honor. And then even when we mess that up, God's like, yeah, you don't have to be afraid. Because my perfect love is going to give you the peace that you need because it's not about how hard you strive. It's not about how hard you try. It's not about doing it all right. I know even when you're trying to live a life that brings me honor, even if you don't get it right, you don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because ultimately, the message to remember at Christmas is fear not. God's favor rests on you. And every week in your programs, we put these green Connect cards in there. We just challenge you to think through what it is that you've heard this morning. And what is it that you need to do based on what you've heard? 
What's your next step? And as you, as you think about this idea that, that God's message is for you, that God is saying, fear not. I love you just because I do. What's your next step? Maybe your next step is to consider if you feel like you're typically in trouble with God. Maybe your next step is to determine how your life would change. I have no idea what that means. Determine how your life would change if you did fear God. Maybe your next step is to acknowledge the reasons you struggle to give God the credit. And maybe your next step is to decide that this Christmas, you'll be open to believing that God's favor rests on you. Well, the band's going to come and, and we're going to sing some carols. And as you sing these, would you just allow the truth of who God is to soak into your heart and into your mind in a new way? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you so much for this time of year and, and the fact that we, we get to reflect on it each and every year about this most amazing gift that you offered. God, would you help us to choose to not be afraid, to see that this message is truly for each of us, that's no longer about earning or proving or winning your, your reward, just recognizing that, that you've done this for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.